We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you, and Happy New Year. Um, today, we are embarking on a journey of exploration into the intersection, delving into the intersection of belonging and politics. As you heard Sue say, I am spearheading efforts in our community to uh, help us navigate this space using the resources provided by Braver Angels, which, as she said, is a nonprofit, cross-partisan, volunteer-led movement whose mission is to bridge the political divide. And uh, let's see, I'm going to advance this slide so you can, yeah. Um, so Braver Angels is making a big impact in our nation, bringing together those on all sides of all aisles to engage in productive civic dialogue. And I invite you, if you haven't already, to explore what Braver Angels has to offer by uh, clicking that QR code, visiting the website, and join our Braver Angels group here at CTC um, through our Church Center app. So let's begin. So in the fabric of our lives, the intersection of politics and belonging weave together to shape our identities, influence our relationships, and impact our communities. Each of us, and not just those of us in this room, but the larger us, are carriers of the inner light, as you've heard us say this morning, and are called to navigate this complex landscape of politics as part of our collective lives overall, with grace, humility, and a commitment to fostering unity in diversity. At the core of our being, we carry a deep-seated desire for connection and belonging. This innate desire is woven into the very fabric of our humanity. From the dawn of time, Humans have sought tribes, families, and communities to share life's joys and to navigate its challenges. When we don't have that sense of belonging or connection, we become like ships without helms. We are lost at sea. Now, social psychologists will tell you that feeling left out or like you don't belong triggers the same neural networks that fire when you experience physical pain. They call this social pain, and this pain is so hurtful that our drive to seek relief is as strong as our desire to drink when we're thirsty, eat when we're hungry. On the contrary, when we feel like we belong, we become more compassionate, more tolerant, less prone to hostility, or even violence. In his book, Belonging, The Science of Creating Connections and Bridging Divides, Dr. Jeffrey Cohen argues that we are in a crisis of belonging. So he's worked in the social psychology field for decades and just penned this book a few years ago to proffer tips on how to help us with very simple strategies foster connection and belonging as he's seeing the uptick we are all seeing in isolation and loneliness. I'm going to dive more deeply into his work in a few minutes, but I want to start first with a couple of scholars, uh, Dr. Robert Putnam and Shailen Romney Garrett. Uh, they've just written a book called The Upswing. It actually came out um, during the pandemic that examined forces that 
examines forces at play in the troubling trends we are experiencing today with not only political division and polarization, but economic inequality, social isolation, and cultural self-centeredness that are the hallmarks of our current state. Now, if Putnam's name sounds familiar, he penned the book Bowling Alone, uh, which came out a number of years ago, in which he examined the rise in loneliness and distrust of one another since the turn of the 21st century. In that book, he discovered that rather than joining churches and social clubs and sports leagues, we are uh, kind of staying to ourselves. These are places where we would have built social capital, which, are, which is what you need to have in order to feel connected and belong in a community and to rely on people for times when times are troublesome. Um, and so we, are, we don't have that same social capital now because we are commuting alone in our own cars, we zone out on Netflix, we attend church in our jammies, no, no discredit to anyone who's not here this morning, but we, we attend church in our jammies and watch it online if we attend at all. You know church uh, attendance is way, way down. So even our homes are built now with the garages out front so you literally can pull into your garage and never see your neighbors if you don't want to. So Putnam and Garrett have scored multiple obscure data sets and discovered that over the past century or so, four forces have caused a climb and then a fall back to pre-upswing levels of economic disparity, social cohesion, and cultural solidarity that mirror each other in astonishing ways. And I know that might be really kind of difficult to see, at least I can't see it. But there are four things on this chart. There's economics, politics, society, and culture. And you can see how the upswing, we started out as very individualistic society, out only for ourselves, moved more toward in the 60s, uh, being all in it together, and now we have reached a level of um, individualistic thinking and culture um, such that we are now at our highest levels of polarization since the Civil War. So where we stand today is that we have this polarization. I'm going to go back to the books. Um, and we have such extreme social isolation now that our own Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, issued an advisory, which is very unusual, actually, for, social, for Surgeon Generals to do that. Um, but he issued an advisory because uh, we are in such a state of social isolation. And he is quoted as saying, given the significant health consequences of loneliness and isolation, we must prioritize building social connection the same way we have prioritized other critical public health issues, such as tobacco, uh, obesity, and substance use disorders. Together, we can build a country that's healthier, more resilient, less lonely, and more connected. Sadly, one in five Americans suffer from chronic loneliness. And this is only made worse by this growing cancer of distrust that we have of each other in our country. Distrust of others, of others' desire to destroy our country or take away our liberties only fuels this epidemic of loneliness. This is where Jesus' teachings of love, compassion, and radical inclusivity challenges us to extend our sense of belonging beyond the familiar boundaries of our families, our political and social identities, and our faith community. 
Today's polarization in political discourse creates fractures within communities and families. The danger lies in allowing our political affiliations to overshadow our shared identity as carriers of the inner light. We must acknowledge the challenges posed by differing political views and seek ways to bridge the gaps, fostering an environment where diverse perspectives can coexist. This can only happen by identifying common values, sharing our stories, listening deeply, and hang on one second, I just messed something up. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me, I lost my place because I hit something and another thing came up. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So I'm going to start here. Just as our community is composed of diverse members with unique gifts and callings, our political landscape encompasses a multitude of perspectives. Embracing this diversity requires humility, empathy, and a commitment to listen deeply and learn. As we engage in political conversations, or even just plain old everyday conversations, let us approach them with open hearts and minds, recognizing the richness that comes from hearing the stories and experiences of others. And you have an amazing opportunity to do that by joining Life Story Groups coming up in February. In so doing, we model the love and acceptance that Christ demonstrates in his interactions with people from all walks of life. Now, the tricky thing is neuroscience tells us that hearing and reading opposing views of any kind threatens our sense of belonging to the tribe we associate with and our sense of self by extension. It's human nature to shut down opposing views. Uh, this happens in the person you're talking, it happens to you, and it happens, happens to the person you're talking to as well. And it helps to remember that this reaction is all based in biology. Your body is wired to do that because it feels threatened. So you can't help it, and neither can they. And when we or anyone else read information challenging our long-held political beliefs or our religious beliefs or any other beliefs, our physical threat response ratchets up, and same thing happens to them. When they read information and when we read information that affirms our beliefs, we feel safe, and it activates our reward systems. So paying attention to and remembering that a lot of this is based in biology is really helpful. The thing is, we, if we fear that by accepting an opposing view, this could threaten being accepted by our own tribe. And being outcast from our own tribe would have meant certain death back in pre you know, prehistoric days. Unfortunately, our brains still perceive this to be true, even though we live in a much safer place. The process of adhering so closely to these political ideals that we hold is irrational, unconscious, and no amount of positioned arguments are going to change yours or anyone else's minds. The only thing that can change people's hearts and minds is direct lived experience, walking a mile in someone else's shoes. But there's hope. We can develop some skills to be able to do this. So I'm going to tell you a little story that was uh, relayed in the book Belonging by uh, Dr. Jeffrey Cohen. 
Um, this happened in 2017, not long after the, obviously, the 2016 election. Some researchers worked with some canvassers to go door to door and talk with voters in one of the most politically conservative regions in Florida about a new law that was about to be uh, repealed or passed that would protect uh, those with the in the LGBTQ plus community and protect them from discrimination. So instead of going door to door and presenting a slate of arguments, these canvassers made very few direct arguments. In fact, what they did was they put voters in an empowered role by telling them that they would soon face an important decision and that they had the option of voting to overturn or uphold a law that would protect the rights of the LGBTQ community. They then asked the voters for their opinion on the issue first. The canvassers, canvassers were trained to not express judgment, to not express displeasure, but just to listen carefully and ask questions for clarification such as, can you say more about that? Or tell me more. And they maintained eye contact, they smiled when appropriate, they kept their bodies oriented toward the voter, gave the voters space to express their views and explore their thoughts. And they listened with authentic curiosity, which made the voters feel affirmed and like their perspectives were important. The canvassers then showed a brief video of a, uh, an actual transgender person telling their story and, and the struggles that they live day to day. The canvassers then asked the for the voters' reaction to the video by asking them, judgment happens to everyone at some point, and it hurts. Can you tell me about a time when you have felt judged or were treated differently for who you are. Now, if the voters said they'd never experienced this, then they said, do you know someone who has experienced something like this? So cutting to the chase, the results were very positive, with most of the voters telling a story about a time that they had felt judged and how they could empathize with the person in the story. And most, most then also went on to state their support for a policy that would uphold transgender rights. Now remember, this is a extremely conservative area of Florida where they're talking to people. And what they then also, we, the researchers went back three months later and did a survey to ask those same voters how they felt. And those same voters still upheld the positive view of supporting the, uh, the laws that would uphold the rights for the transgender community, even after three months. I think what that story conveys is that we can learn skills to be like those canvassers, to learn how to help the people we're interacting with feel like they are important, that they belong, that their views are important to us, their stories are important to us, and that we can listen without judgment. They are, after all, also carriers of the inner divine. This provides the safety people need to feel that their sense of belonging won't be snatched away from them being affirming that you can see how they might have arrived at their views also helps. Then we can share our views using phrases such as I think, I feel, or what I have experienced is, and we can share authentically and vulnerably and help others reach a level of comfort for sharing how they arrived at the place where they are and we can tell how we arrived where we are. Being open to the outcome of the conversation that you may not change their mind, they may not change your mind, but you can walk away from the conversation having built a relationship with somebody who thinks differently from you. And that is worth everything, 
Now you've built a relationship with someone who also carries the inner light. If we can carry on these conversations, avoiding implying that their values are based on ignorance or bias, rather than asking them, rather, asking them in a genuinely curious way about their views and why they hold them. We both stand to grow. <coughs> this makes people feel seen and heard and like they belong. Listen respectfully to their answers and avoid using phrases such as, the fact of the matter is, or let me tell you something, or the reality is, or you just don't get it, right? So with genuine curiosity, we're asking and responding and saying something like, I hadn't seen it that way, or that's interesting. Can you tell me more about why you think that? So I have a few more ideas that came uh, both from, from Dr. Cohen's book and some other things I've learned through Braver Angels to help us get through this next year without losing our minds. <laughs> um, first of all, I've learned how to be very judicious in my media consumption. Remember that media, and especially social media, is a huge source of creating the maelstrom of loneliness and isolation we're all experiencing. I would suggest subscribing to a news outlet that shares both perspectives on any issue such as Tangle or All Sides and read information from both sides of the aisle so that you can be informed without getting sucked into the muck. Secondly, if you endeavor to engage in conversation with people about politics or just issues in general, do so one-on-one -on -one and, and or in very small groups and do so in person because that makes all the difference in the world. And remember to, to do so without thinking that you want to change the other person's point of view, right? Um, thirdly, start the conversation with an exploration of your shared values. You can ask your conversation partner what values they bring to their, wor their worldview, and you can share the values that you bring. This, starting from this place of shared values helps open a door to a much more productive conversation than starting with the issue at hand. You can find lists of values online, and um, certainly we can put a link to one in the, in the notes um, for today's, if, uh, today's lesson. Um, but that was one of the recommendations in, in uh, Dr. Cohen's book was um, really just kind of starting from that place of shared values. What do you, what do you value about living in this country and what, how, you know, and, and that helps kind of drive the conversation. Lastly, I can't say this strongly enough, agree to disagree, yet walk away recognizing that this other person also carries the inner light just as you do. Let us be the salt and light in the political arena advocating for justice, mercy, and righteousness. As we navigate this intersection of belonging and politics, let us be guided by the love that binds us together. In our diversity, we find strength. In our unity, we, we reflect the image of a God who embraces all. May our political engagement be characterized by grace, understanding, and a commitment to building bridges rather than walls. So as we depart from this reflection, let us carry with us a renewed sense of responsibility to engage politically with a growth mindset, seeking the well-being of all, and fostering a community where every member feels a sense of belonging, irrespective of political differences. 
So in 2024, we hope to bring more Braver Angels workshop, workshops to the community. And actually, next Saturday, I'm going to be moderating a Depolarizing Within uh, workshop at Unity Church of the Triangle, I think is what it's called. Um, actually, Unity of the, tri of the Triangle. And so if you scan that QR code, which looks very much like the one I showed at the beginning, uh, you can actually register to attend that uh, Depolarizing Within workshop. It will be from 9.30 to 12.30 next Saturday morning. Um, and I'm hoping that over the course of this uh, next year, we will be able to get together and have some events here in our own community. But I would encourage you, strongly encourage you, if you missed our last one, to, to come to that one. That uh, Depolarizing Within workshop will help you kind of learn the skills to depolarize yourself first, which is a really critical uh, piece of this whole puzzle, is to learn how to um, depolarize yourself first before you start trying to work with others. So you can register online there. It is free. And um, I'm hoping to bring some other uh, larger workshops like that and then maybe some smaller events where we can get together and just have conversation. And I hope you'll avail yourself of these opportunities when they fit your schedule and when, when you have the desire to learn and listen from others and have others learn and listen from you. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds as we navigate the complexities of belonging and politics. Amen. Now, I want to end today with a bit about how important this community is to me, and this fits beautifully with the lesson for today. Um, I, as Sue told you in the introduction, came to this community about 10 years ago, um, and uh, I arrived not long after Doug's book, first book came out. Um, so it was 2014, 2015. My very first uh, time coming to a service was at the Ray Road um, facility, and uh, Doug's book had just come out. The denomination had just kicked him out, and um, we were... Um, Actually, the first four Sundays that I came, Doug wasn't even there. He was on sabbatical. And um, so different uh, people that work in the community or, or volunteer in the community were speaking. And so that very first Sunday, I picked up Doug's book, took it home, read it, and uh, realized that um, this was really a, a place that I was very intrigued in. And the reason being that, um, you know, the the how the different issues that Doug was describing, how he explored in his book, um, everything that I read gave me a sense of relief that someone else was <laughs> questioning the same things that I had questioned and that it was okay to not have all the answers. So without going into too, mu too much detail, I've always been a lifelong questioner of the absolutes I was told in the Baptist churches I attended growing up, being a lover of color in what, I, what felt like a very black and white religion to me. And so when I found NRCC, I immediately felt like I had found my people. And yet it wasn't until, um, I think it was, we were kind of getting ready to leave the other uh, church where we just left uh, to come here. And Doug was really talking to our community about our commitment to the community and how that will re require us to move out of our comfort zone to really get involved, right? because I too was stuck in bowling alone mode. <laughs> I was sitting at home afraid to invest my time and energy in a community because I had attended church, often sitting in the back pew. We were Baptists after all. And honestly, I've never been all in on much of anything. But I've very recently come to understand this 
reap what you sow thing. If I'm alone and lonely, that's partly on me. There's a community here that loves me and will just, all I have to do is put myself out there. So I have taken the steps to begin investing not only my treasure, but my time and my energy in this community. And I am so much better for it. I have met amazing people here who are not only my friends, but my family. I feel like I could reach out to anyone in this community if I had a concern or a need, and they would not only respond with love, but with compassion. And I've learned skills here that continue to allow me to grow, feeling more comfortable with the discomfort that comes from overcoming the stories in my head that the world is a scary place and I'm better off at home in my jammies. <laughs> and for that, I am most grateful. I want to let you know, particularly if it's the first time for you joining us, that we do What Are You Thinking Online as well. You'll find the link to join in the comments there on YouTube. And if you have not done it before and you're a little hesitant, I just want to tell you, these are some of the best people I know who get on this What Are You Thinking on Zoom every week. Um, and they're always looking for new folks to join them. They have wonderful conversations and have built real meaningful relationships uh, just over time, getting together every week on Zoom. So find the link there. I just encourage you to push past any resistance you might have to join. You'll need to enter a code, and the code to get in is 1417. I hope you're not a troll. <laughs> Folks in the room, let's dismiss our friends on our live streams by putting one hand on our hearts. And let's remember the theme today, the theme every, the theme every Sunday really, is that the divine is within us. And that means that the fruits of the Spirit, kindness, goodness, patience, peace, love, they're all in there. They're in each of us, and they're in everyone around us. And so let's raise our other hand to our community and to our world, looking for every opportunity we can find this week to share what is within us with the people with whom we go to work, go to school, with everyone we encounter, as we work to be healers and repairers of our world. Amen. Folks on the live stream, you are dismissed. Have a... If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.